of this is an operatic podcast about I will be sing-songy in Nancy if I want to be. All right. Okay. Hey, and welcome to Donna Martin Graduates. A podcast where we watch every episode of Beverly Hills 90210 in order and point out all the times Hulu couldn't get the music rights. Because <laughs> it's fun. I am one of your hosts, Andrea, not Andrea. And I am your other host, Kelly, and I'm going to be sick forever. Forever! And this week's episode is season one, episode 20. April is the cruelest month, also known as the Friends Crossover. This episode starts with Matthew Perry on the West Beverly Tennis Courts, practicing some um, returns, volleys, uh, swings. I don't know proper tennis etiquette, so I don't really know what it's called. Um, but there's a machine basically chucking tennis balls at him, and he's hitting them back while some old guy smiles smugly. Ooh, alliteration. Yeah. You know who isn't smiling? Brandon. He's watching with a scowl for some reason and a jean jacket. Is he mad that someone is good at something that he isn't? Is he angry at Chandler's teal shorts? Chandler breaks his wooden racket because apparently that is a thing and he has to come off the court to replace it. Brandon butters him up with his accomplishments when he does and Chandler tells him that he doesn't do interviews. Is he a politician? Brandon convinces him to agree to an interview and he's pretty damn proud of himself. Meanwhile, Brenda is fretting over her SAT results. But I thought she didn't take the SATs because of that whole breast cancer scare. Eh. Whatever. Uh, like we talked about last time, we've learned continuity is not the writer's friend. Nope. And Brandon tells Andrea that he landed the interview with Roger Azarian. And that's Chandler's name on this episode, by the way. So we'll stop calling him Chandler. <laughs> <laughs> and she, no, I want to keep calling him oh, Chandler. Oh, okay. Okay. And she is equally impressed with him. But that's not anything new either. Nope. Brandon stops Steve to get the lowdown on Roger. And Steve says that he is a Rhodes Scholar material, will probably marry Miss America, and eventually inherit his father's fortune. Uh, Roger's father is a self-made millionaire and owns half of Orange County. Only half? Not even worth getting out of bed for. Nope. He's at home, counting out loud. She took her shoes off and everything. Yep. Uh, doing her taxes, apparently. But... Um, why isn't Jim, the professional, doing those? I mean, he's too busy planning parties. I mean, isn't that the only perk to marrying an accountant? No, he's got Harry back. I guess. Brenda opens her SAT results and got an 1190. That's an 1190. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. She got an 1190. <laughs> Is that good? I don't know. I don't know. We took the we took, we took the ACT. <laughs> Um, she tries to open Brandon's, but Cindy won't let her. Donna suddenly seems very upset and says that she needs to leave. Meanwhile, Brandon is prowling through an expansive estate, checking out all of the awards that Roger's father has won. Then he comes across the gun cabinet, where there are roughly a dozen guns displayed, without a lock. And we know this because Brandon easily opens the door to check one out, but is interrupted by Roger fresh from the shower. We know this because he's got a towel wrapped around his neck and he's rubbing it in his hair. He pulls one out for Brandon to look at and says some words about what kind it is, but I stopped listening because gross. Guns are gross. Guns are gross. Roger confesses that his father taught him to shoot when he was just six and Brandon says it's that his parents wouldn't even allow toy guns in their house. My house either, Brandon. Roger then says, 
It's kill or be killed, all while fondling the gun. You know, perfectly normal things. I don't like this version of Chandler. Nope. Uh, back at Casa Walsh, Cindy is complaining to Jim about all of the money they have spent over the last year, and he tells her, So we'll cut back. We're doing fine. Apparently he's also Italian. <laughs> he then promises to help her out, and she's like, Yeah, right. Then he tries to bet her on which of the twins did better on the ACT. Oh, Jesus, the SAT. And Cindy refuses because she's a decent parent. And back at Roger's house, Brandon tries to record his conversation with Roger, but Roger is skittish. So that's not Yiddish, skittish. (laughs) So Brandon agrees to work just from his notes. And then Daddy Warbucks comes home and tells Roger that not only did he have lunch with someone in admissions at Stanford, he did some other stuff that I'm going to tell you about in like a second. He passed along Roger's screenplay to some head of some studio. Rich LA people, am I right? You're right. And Brandon asks to read the screenplay, and Roger tells him that no one has read it, but agrees to let him. You know what, Brandon? You've got a trustworthy face, and you've been in the biz. You were cut from that one TV show that one time. I'll let you read it. Brandon heads home, and Brenda pounces on him immediately to open his SAT results. Guess what? He got an 1190 as well. Again, is this good? Somebody tell me. Then she tells Brandon that a screenplay is meant to be read out loud, and they head off to her bedroom. Come check The screenplay tells a story about a rich young boy who plans on murdering his overbearing father. Brandon thinks it sounds all too familiar and blinks really rapidly, while some chaotic music plays in the background. Brandon tells Andrea that he wants to bury the story, and Andrea is adamant that he continues. Brandon then asks Andrea about how they address kids that can call in to the rap line. Oh, yeah. Remember, she does that. <laughs> Andrea tells them that they just listen and then asks if, anyone she, if it's anyone she knows. Hi, Andrea. I thought you were smart. You literally was just talking about Roger before he asked. Brandon is the worst secret keeper in the history of the world. He tells Andrea about Roger's screenplay, and Andrea tells him to stop being so dramatic. What is it with the lighting in this scene? Is Brandon back in his jail cell sitting in a one-room beam of moonlight? Shouldn't the journalism room have some sort of adequate light? I mean, why is Brandon's face all shadowy except for his eyes? Why is he so dramatic? So many, so many, so many questions. There's so many questions. Kelly, Brenda, and Donna are walking down the school hall together while Kelly peruses the college catalog, searching for one with the perfect male-to-female ratio. Brenda tries to include Donna in the conversation, but Donna feels like they're planning too early and walks away. She goes up the stairs while Kelly and Brenda don't, but they're all in the same class together in the next scene. Are there secret hallways in this school? Like in my grandma's house, where there's uh, the closet from one room joins to the closet in the other room? Ooh. It used to be an old age. It used to be a, a nursing home, so a bunch of people died there, and there are ghosts. Awesome. Uh, in class, the teacher passes out a test, and Donna is suddenly anxious. Everyone else is busily writing while she is tapping her pencil and trying to keep her hair behind her ear. She suddenly screams out and tells the teacher that she needs to see the nurse because she is having issues with her contact lenses. Did she put both of them in one eye again, I wonder? Maybe. Meanwhile, Brandon is at lunch, eating alone, of course, and reading the script. And then Roger shows up and asks him his opinion, and Brandon says, You've got a wild imagination. And Roger says, the truth is stranger than fiction. And Brandon says, incredulously, this is true? And Roger says, what? And suddenly they become Laurel and Hardy. 
who's on first? Uh, Roger then offers Brandon seats to the Dodgers game, and Brandon jokingly asks if he is trying to buy him off. And Roger becomes defensive, and Brandon's like, what? I always say the right thing. <laughs> After that super awkward exchange, Brandon chases Dylan down and has an even more awkward exchange with him. He asks him if he's ever thought about hurting his dad, and if he has, what stopped him? He must be in for a doozy, because Dylan leans against the door jam. And he tells Brandon that he and Brenda are what prevent him from going over the edge. So what did he do the 16 years before they moved here? Um, oh, yeah. Alcohol. After class, Dylan, Brenda, and Kelly spot Donna in the parking lot, wearing a tank top, shades, and lighting up a cigarette with some rando. It looked super natural. It did. In a building downtown, Roger is apparently talking to a therapist, or this conversation is super weird. Uh, he talks about how his father has taught him that you can't trust your friends and that he treats Roger like an asset. And then he blurts out, I wish he were dead. Hey, I don't think Roger likes his dad. No. And then some super spooky music plays while Roger comes screeching up the driveway. And he uses a key hidden underneath a potted plant to get into the house and then pulls a gun from the well-protected gun cabinet. That was sarcasm. Mm -hmm. uh, he sneaks up to his father's office and shoots his father. Ah, but it's okay, because it's just Roger's screenplay that Brandon is reading. And Brandon and Brenda talk about how off Roger is, and about how off Donna has been lately. And then Brenda's like, we should set the two of them up together. That's definitely what you should do. Couple up two people who are off. I bet that's what Bonnie and Clyde's friends thought, too. Then they shot a bunch of people. Yep. Okay. Mrs. Teasley, or that lady from the twin study, stops Kelly and Brenda to congratulate them on their SAT scores and then asks if they have seen Donna. She apparently missed a meeting with Mrs. T that day, because that's what I'm going to call her from now on. Yep. And Kelly realizes that she never made it to school. She should probably be careful with those days off. She wouldn't want to hurt her chances of graduating. <laughs> Name of our podcast. Yes. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Hey, Andrea. Hey, Kelly. Have you ever made a purchase online or stayed somewhere that you uh, saw online? I have. And have you ever left a review for any of those things? I have. Have you gone online and read any reviews before you've purchased or stayed somewhere? Yes, I have. Like the sugar-free gummy bears? Well, I didn't stay in sugar-free gummy bears, but yes, I've read those reviews quite a few times. Well, I read a review about a goat farm in California and people left positive reviews, but there was a spider that crawled in my hair and a grasshopper in the shower with me, so I wish we never would have stayed there. Oh, bummer. So, Beach Too Sandy, Water Too Wet is a comedy podcast featuring brother and sister Alex and Christine as they recap dramatic readings of one-star reviews written by real people with not-so-real problems. Like the goat farm. Like the goat farm. Whether it's a bar's no-throw-up policy... A barista who's just too friendly, Ooh. or a school psychologist fashion sense, reviewers complain about it all. And so prepare for equal amounts of laughter and eye rolling. Kind of like this podcast. Exactly. Each week, Alex and Christine cover topics ranging from strip clubs in Vegas, ghost tours in New Orleans. I've been to a ghost tour in Vegas and a strip club in New Orleans. Does that count? Probably. Oh, perfect. Or DMVs in Phoenix. I have not done that. Nope. They nobly delve into the cesspools of Yelp, TripAdvisor, and other review sites to find you the best of the worst. Indeed. So listen to Beach Too Sandy, Water Too Wet on Spotify, Anchor, and Apple Podcasts, or any of your favorite 
podcast app. You can also find them on all social media platforms at Beach2Sandy. Bye. Bye. And we're back. So Brandon chases Roger down to ask him a couple of last minute questions. They hop in his porch and Roger pulls up to Dylan and asks if he wants to race. Dylan's like, um, I know how large my penis is. Uh, Dylan's like, uh, I know how large my penis is, so no thanks. Thank you. You're welcome. For that voiceover. Uh, so Roger squeals out of the parking lot. Dylan and Brenda head to Fred Siegel, where Brenda finds a not-sick Donna shopping. She confronts her about her recent changes, and Donna confesses that she only got a 620 on her SATs. She says that she had better find some rich guy to take care of her, because she's obviously too stupid to take care of herself. Where did all this come from? She literally was just fine until she got her scores back. Meanwhile, back at Roger's mansion, Roger has a declination letter? Yes. Good word. From Stanford, and his father is extremely angry. Brandon, sensing the vibe, tells Ron, tells Roger that he will grab his bag from his Porsche and just walk home. It's not very far from here. Seriously, where do you live? It's close to everywhere. Anyway, when he goes to grab his bag from the car, he discovers a gun apparently just, you know, hanging out. How did he not notice that when he put his bag in? Is that even legal? I mean, I'm guessing not, but rich white people. Am I right? Hmm. You said it. That's a mouthful. Ah, trying to think of some other cliches. Uh, Brandon calls into the rap line and yells at Andrea about the gun he found. <laughs> he says that no one believes him. He even went to the police, and of course, the police were like, "Rich white people, are we right?" See, it's a callback to last. Yeah, I gotcha. Uh, Andrea tells him that it's out of her league, so he talks to Jim, the accountant. Yep, makes sense. Jim tells him that maybe Roger just needs a friend. So Brandon decides to go visit a troubled kid with a firearm late at night. Even better, when no one answers the door, he uses the hide-a-key to let himself in. All smart things. How did you even know the hide-a-key was there? Because he talked about it in the, the manuscript. Oh, that's right. Okay. I forgot. And nope. Brandon sneaks into the office, prepared to see the worst, and it's empty. Damn it, Brandon says to himself. I was hoping to see a dead body. Maybe Brandon's really a murderino. He's not. He's not murdering him. We're gonna give him back. Okay. <laughs> the next day, Brandon tries to hunt Roger down, but he's not at school. And then he says some combination of things about no phones, no father. Um, that creates an epiphany, and he decides to borrow Dylan's car to head off on a hunt of some kind. And Brenda tries to convince Mrs. Teasley that Donna is smart and deserves a good education. And Mrs. T is like, "Yeah, that's what I'm trying to do." Now get out of my office and stop telling me how to do my job. Finally, somebody told Brenda that. <laughs> Donna tells Mrs. T that she has trouble taking tests, and Mrs. T seems to be drawing some conclusions because she bites her lips and looks to the side. So she's thinking. She is. Mrs. T tells Donna that she might have a learning disability, and Donna says, nope, I'm stupid. And then she cries. <laughs> and then she cries that no tears kind of cry, the sign of a true thespian. 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 Mrs. T tells her there are lots of things she can do to help her test better. Brandon finds Roger in the pool house, drunk, and even though there is a glass door, he yells out, Roger, it's Brandon. <laughs> we can see you, Brandon, with a fucking glass door, you jackass. <laughs> Roger. <laughs> Roger lets him in, and he notices the gun in Roger's hand. 
Roger tells him that he is at target practice and then shoots at a framed award. Brandon tries to convince him not to kill his father, and Roger just scoffs. Despite all the autobiographical stuff he go. wrote in his screenplay, he doesn't want to kill his father. He turns the gun on himself in the most awkward, least threatening way possible. Yes. Yeah. He, like, he doesn't yeah. hold it up to his temple. No. He like is holding it back like he's going to like yeah. shoot him from the front. Yeah. It's weird. Dumb. Uh, Brandon talks him out of pulling the trigger, which I'm guessing is what he wanted to begin with. Otherwise, waiting until someone showed up to turn the gun on himself is really bad timing. Um, back at school, Donna explains to Brenda and Kelly that she has the 90s version of an IEP, uh, which we discover only comes up when it's convenient. And I'm pretty sure, correct me if I'm wrong, I thought in the first iteration of this, they actually diagnosed her as With dyslexia. Yeah. 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 I thought okay, so too. I thought so, but they don't, I don't think they talk about it no. in this one. Damn um, it, Hulu. They probably, Do you have to get the rights to, the rights to dyslexia? <laughs> Hanging with Mr. Cooper tackled it. Uh, Lord. Um, Brandon visits Roger at the hospital where Roger's father thanks him for saving them both. Roger tells Brandon to tell his story in case it can help someone else, and Brandon pulls out a transistor radio to try and talk to aliens. Or listen to the ball game. You know, either way. <laughs> smooth. Real smooth. <laughs> I am a talent. I don't care. <sighs> All right, Andrea, do you have anything to share with the class today? Why do you always jump the gun? Damn it! I don't know. I'm just so excited to share things with people. Um, what was this week about? Um, well, dyslexia. Donna apparently has dyslexia and does really bad on tests. Um, don't write your life story in a screenplay if you don't want Brandon to jump to conclusions and come and save you. Um, so maybe it's about learning disabilities and gun violence. Lock your damn gun cabinet. Yeah. We won't get into that discussion here, though. We're non-political. Yep. Nope. Yep. <laughs> and Brandon doesn't have a girlfriend in this one either. Unless you count Chandler. Oh, Chandler Murray. Murray. Dang it. <laughs> why can I why can I say Muriel? Muriel. Muriel. There it is. Good gosh. Muriel. Um, I was totally Chandler. Super awkward. Yeah. I'm not good at the advice. Can I offer you a sarcastic comment? <laughs> All the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so what, what did I do this week? So I went and saw Ford versus Ferrari. Oh yeah, on purpose? Yep. Oh, did you like it? The man friend wanted to see it. Oh. Um, it wasn't terrible. I mean, I don't really know much about cars or racing, but <laughs> it had a good story, and I thought the visuals were good, and I liked the acting. Did yeah. Christian Bale yell at anybody? He yelled for, at like a... walking through a scene. No. Oh. I mean, he yelled a couple times in the movie, but he got to use his real accent in it. So oh, was, did he? Yeah. What is his real accent? Um, he would be of the Australian British persuasion. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. So I never noticed before, and I don't know if it was because we saw it in IMAX 2D, but Matt Damon has like a like a mole on top of his lip, or it was a zit. I couldn't tell that it was there the entire fucking movie. Oh, was it? Wow, we've all of a sudden got an E rating between the two of us. <laughs> He's also got really big teeth. That's what bothers me about Matt Damon. He's a fine actor. I just his teeth are really big. 
Um, but I mean, I enjoyed it. I didn't think that I would, but I did like it, and it was hella long. We went to a three thirty movie, and it got out at six thirty. Yeah. No thanks. It was long. <laughs> That's what she said. That's what she said. Um, <laughs> I don't have anything new. No new podcast really. Oh, I have started listening to Why Do We Care About the Hall, which is a podcast about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I can't remember oh. if I mentioned that before, Mm-mm. but it's pretty good so far. The ones that I've listened to, they're pretty informative. And I mean, I'm the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame to me is kind of, I don't really understand it, but they kind of break it down. I I don't understand the nomination process and I don't understand why certain people aren't already in um, it and, yeah. and, and such, but they kind of break it down and they talk about those things. So the, I'm, I'm understanding it a little bit more. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. I started listening to a podcast called Slow Burn this week, and it is, well, it's the third season that, I, that I'm listening to. It covers different, uh, I don't know, pop culture events um, each season. The first one was about uh, Watergate. The second one was about... I have listened to this podcast. impeachment of, of Bill, Bill Clinton. Clinton. Mm-hmm. I have listened to this podcast. And the third season is about uh, Tupac and Biggie, which is obviously the season that I chose to jump in on. I just thought the whole thing was about Tupac and Biggie. So I started listening at uh, uh, episode one, season one, and they started talking about some woman who stayed at the Watergate Hotel. And I was like, how is this going to get to Tupac and Biggie? (laughs) The Tupac and Biggie thing started all the way back at Watergate. Holy crap. I'm like, wow, this goes all the way to the top. But then I started listening to the right uh, season, and it's it's very good. I mean, I watched the show that I think TNT did with Josh Duhamel. Oh, okay, yeah. It was about the investigation, right. which was actually really good as well. So there's a lot of things that, uh, you know, I didn't know. Like, I didn't know that they were friends before they were not friends. And, yeah, so it's very interesting to listen to. I think I had learned. Especially if you grew up in that era. I think they had learned. I learned that they were friends on one of the uh, either Biggie or Tupac's Behind the Music on VH1 oh. one time. That was a long-ass time ago. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I did also started to watch. There's a new season of The Toys That Made Us. Oh, on is that? Netflix. Oh, nice. I did watch the My Little Pony one today before I came Loved here. My Little Pony. It was very interesting and it was pretty funny. So I liked that a lot. The, then the one that started to play before I left was the about wrestling toys. I'm not really interested in that, but I was pretty excited about the My Little Pony part. I'll have to check that out. Speaking of Netflix, I started watching, which I watched it before, just like snippets of it on YouTube, but um, I watched... I'm actually almost done with all four seasons of Billy on the Street. Oh. Oh, my God. It is hilarious. Like, I don't laugh out loud. I mean, I enjoy a lot of things, but I don't laugh out loud to a lot of stuff. And I am constantly cracking up. He, do you, are you not a fan? I, I've seen them, but I've not, like, actually sat down and Oh, you should. Them. You should. He's hilarious. Like, it's like one of my favorites was... He walked up to somebody on the streets of New York and says, do you think that Taylor Swift has seen Greece 900 times? <laughs> and my husband actually has sat down and watched it with me, which very rarely does that happen. Usually he'll sit down and he'll put his headset on and he'll be listening to stuff on YouTube. And he actually has been watching them with me. Although he, he left and was gone for most of the day yesterday. And when he left, I was watching it. And then... I stopped shortly after that and then I did a bunch of other stuff. And then 
uh, after dinner, I turned it back on and literally been on for like 10 minutes and he walked in the house and he's like, you're still watching this? I'm like, no. He's like, how many seasons are there? It was just funny. I was like, no, calm down, Taylor Swift. I didn't notice until just right now, but your Kleenex box is very looks like a vulva. I just like to remind Chris about that. <laughs> never gonna get, never gonna get. Anyway. Well, and then to top off my Billy on the street side, oh, I, I uh, tweeted about it and I said that he was a goddamn national treasure and he liked my tweet and then I looked at it and I'm embarrassed because I said it was Billy on the streets. And it's <gasps> Billy on the street. Wah, wah. Now he thinks I'm a horrible fan of his because I can't even get you his stuff right. can't get his show right. Wah, wah. Okay. That's all I got. Okay. <laughs> so don't forget to rate review and subscribe to us we like five star reviews we do that's all that's all i have to say i like five star generals um and how do you like them (laughs) missionary Um... (laughs) we're on instagram at donna martin graduates podcast and on twitter at graduates donna and we have a Gmail, Donna Martin Graduates Podcast at gmail.com. You wouldn't know that because nobody emails us. Nope. We have no emails. One oh, day we're going to get one. We are. I'm be super excited. And you, whoever whoever you are, person who emails us, you will ingratiate yourself to us forever. We will print it out and frame it and put it on the wall. Right next to Brandon's girlfriends. Yep. And we also have a Facebook page. If you are into that sort of thing. Yeah. (laughs) And that's it. And our next episode is the big finale. The what? The big finale, isn't it? No. Oh, we still toot more after that? Yeah, we have the spring dance where Brenda loses (gasps) her virginity. Oh, my God. Sorry. And then we have the the move. The big finale. Yeah. Are we up there already? How How do we catch up to me? I only missed one week. I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, that's all for now. We'll be back next week with whatever episode it is. And uh, until next time, bye-bye. Bye.